0: Welcome back to another episode of Twisted News, or perhaps welcome to your first one. In these episodes, each week, we bring you two of the strangest and most disturbing cases that are currently happening all around the world. I'm Andrew, and thanks for tuning in. Now for today, we're tackling some cold murder cases from around the U.S. that look like they're finally getting the closure they've so long been looking for. The first one is from 1986 and involves a young mother from Wisconsin the second one is from 1975 and involves a teenager from Indiana. ready for Scary Mysteries, Twisted News. Number one, 1986 Murder of a Mom. While most of us can only imagine what goes through the mind of a criminal who gets away with their crime, experts tell us that when they do, they usually gain confidence and commit the crime again thinking that they know how to evade capture. But when dealing with murderers, that's the only crime that isn't more likely to be committed again. When the killer gets away with it, many times they just go on to live a normal life. These people may be your neighbor, colleague, or even a friend or family member, and you'll never know the dirty deeds they've done, which, when you think about it, is a very dark and twisted truth. This case today involves 22-year-old Lisa Halstead, a woman whose case has remained unsolved for almost four decades and until recently was the oldest unsolved homicide case in Brown County, Wisconsin. Back in 1986, Lisa was riding in the car with her boyfriend when an argument they had became heated. It got to the point where she had him pull over to the side of the road so she could get out and walk. She was headed back to her boyfriend's apartment just looking to create some space for the moment for them to cool off, but she never made it back there. Not long after that, on August 12th of 86, her lifeless body was found in a swampy area of what is now known as Ken Yur's Nature Area, which is in the northwestern part of Green Bay. She left behind her five-year-old son. Upon investigating her body, authorities discovered she had been strangled to death Before that occurred, she had also been sexually assaulted. At the very start of the investigation, police of course believed that her boyfriend was most likely the culprit after their huge argument, but he vehemently denied any involvement in her death, and there was no evidence linking him to it as well. After seeing signs of the sexual assault, it did seem strange that he would have done that to her, as it's out of the ordinary for a boyfriend and girlfriend to go out like that, so... What exactly happened to Lisa and who killed her? Authorities gathered evidence, in particular a cigarette butt and a beer can from the crime scene. But the problem was that the DNA technology at that time wasn't equipped to process the important pieces of information from those items that could link them to Lisa's murderer. So, for more than 36 years, the killer was able to roam free. In 2018, though, the evidence was then submitted to a crime lab that was able to perform a genealogy search of the DNA samples. It took a while, but in 2020, this intensive investigation led them to a man who immediately became the lead suspect in the case. This individual was a complete stranger to Lisa. His name was Lou Griffin, who, during the time of the murder, was a truck driver whose route took him through the Green Bay area. In 2020, he was 65 years old and living in Racine, Wisconsin. Police interviewed him, but he denied ever seeing or knowing her. However, when he was told that the DNA was found on the beer and cigarette, he backpedaled on a statement and claimed that there was a possibility that he had sex with her without actually remembering it happening. Sort of like a truck-driving ladies' man who just got lucky with so many women back in the day, he couldn't recall all of them. Through the interview, Griffin admitted to authorities that he was familiar with the swamplands in Green Bay and then when asked about the specific night in question, he recalled that he was drunk that night and also high on cocaine. It was also revealed that Griffin actually had a prior arrest and was released just three months before Lisa's slang. He had served five out of a nine-year prison stint for sexually assaulting a child back in 1981. So with that, He was then formally charged with Lisa's murder on October 29, 2020, just a month after his DNA match came back conclusively. Recently now, on January 27, 2023, Griffin was found guilty by the Brown County Court was initially charged with first-degree murder and two counts of first-degree intentional homicide. He was found guilty after he entered a plea of no contest to a reduced charge of homicide by reckless conduct. Reports say that his sentencing is set to happen on March 27th. So it took decades, but the Brown County police are grateful that they can finally close the oldest homicide case they have in the area. In a separate interview, Lisa's son shared that he felt pretty good overall about the news of Griffin's arrest following the guilty verdict. Number 2. 1975 Cold Case Murder of a Teen Girl From one very recently solved cold case to another, the advancement in the field of forensic science has been super beneficial to these cases that seemed unsolvable during the time that they were uncovered. These types of developments are huge in that they give hope to victims and their cases to finally be solved. This particular story is about the tragic cold case murder of 17 year old Laurel Mitchell from North Webster, Indiana. On August 6, 1975, Laurel went to work as usual on that summer day at a snack shack for a church camp in Epworth Forest. But she never came home that day, and when her parents reported her missing, despite fearing something bad may have happened, they never expected what came the following day. The very next morning, as search parties blanketed the area, her body was found in the Elkhart River, about 17 miles from where she lived. It was obvious that she died from drowning, however the autopsy report later revealed that there were visible signs of a struggle, which suggested that something sinister had happened to her. But just like our first story, this case went cold and it remained that way for almost five decades until finally authorities were able to test the DNA samples they had retrieved from Laurel's clothing and they were able to create a profile of the possible suspects. Shortly after this, police then named two individuals, Fred Bandy Jr. and John Lehman, who by this time were both 67 years old and from the state of Indiana. During the time of the murder, they were both around 19 years old, and it was revealed that on the day of the killing, the two young men took Laurel to the Elkhart River in Fred's Oldsmobile. Being older, they scared her into going with them, and once down by the river, they forced her head under the flowing waters. It was never clarified yet if she was sexually assaulted by the two men, but it was obvious that Laurel fought hard for her life based on the defensive wounds. Apparently, shortly after the murder, both men ultimately talked about their involvement in the crime and passing with other people. These happened back in the day, but when the case was being re-examined around 2013, some people came forward to tell incriminating stories for the pair. The first instance was in 2013 when a woman in Florida told police that her date, Lehman, sort of confessed to her that he committed a crime with bandy, but what exactly it was they had done she wasn't sure of. The story was then followed up by a former schoolmate of Bandy, who in 2014 shared with police that Bandy told him back in the day that he committed the crime and even gave the location where Laurel's body was found. Next was someone who also shared that during a high school party, when the topic of Laurel's case came up, Bandy made a statement saying he and Lehman committed the crime. But this, of course, wasn't shared with authorities until 2019. But because of these statements and the DNA evidence, both Bandy and Lehman were finally arrested on February 6, 2023. Immediately the next day, they were charged with one count of murder each and are currently being held at the Noble County Jail without bond. More details about the crime, the investigation, as well as the result of the DNA testing are being kept mom by authorities, but they are certain that they can finally close this cold case and keep the suspects behind bars despite the delay of almost half a century. So there were two of the most disturbing yet hopeful cases we have for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed this one, and if you did like it, please make sure to check out more of our episodes, because we have new ones coming out each and every week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'll see you soon.